This episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for a trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are, we are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash A-W-A-Y. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Welcome to another episode of the So-Called Oreo Podcast, the podcast where we discuss all the awkwardness, hardships, and hilarity that come along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside also known as an Oreo. How are you doing, Kia? You forgot to introduce yourself. So I'm Janae here with... I'm I'm Kia. (laughs) Yeah, bro. It's Monday, and I think it is time for me to rant about ChapStick. Let's go. I want to tell everyone. I want to... I want to tell everybody about what I found out, what I realized. So for a really, really long time, I've been using EOS ChapStick, right? And I know that there was tons and tons and tons of talk about this ChapStick because it like one time burned some girl's lips off and then they recalled it and they were like, we're doing better. Um, But I thought that it was never doing anything to me. So I was just like, whatever. I like it. I like having mint flavor chapstick. I like having a big ball of chapstick. It feels right. It looks cool. My lips are addicted to it, whatever. So I had noticed, and I've, I've been noticing this for a really long time that the inside of my lip will get like very chapped and crusty and the skin will peel very often for me. And I just thought that that was how my lips were. Like, I didn't think anything of this. I've been spending money on EOS for for years, years. And I've just always had this inner lip crustiness that I was just like, it is what it is. I guess that's just the makeup of my lips. But I don't know why. One day re- recently, I bought like the Fenty lip scrub or whatever. And was using that. And I was like, geez, this is so hard because the inside of my lip is still kind of crusty. It's really sensitive, whatever. And also I think what led me to, to thinking about this, I've also been using like natural deodorants a lot lately and trying to research that and, and figure it out. And a lot of these companies say that if there are several products in something, especially if the names are very long and hard to pronounce, it's probably not great for you. So the natural deodorant journey has been a fail. I've given up. I have hyperhidrosis. It's just not for me. But then I got to thinking with chapstick in my crusty lip, if my chapstick has several ingredients in it, maybe it's not good for me. So I was like, okay, let me buy just some regular like Vaseline chapstick. 
I have been using it for a week and my lips are not crusty at all. The yeah. softest they've ever been. Simple Vaseline will do it. Simple Vaseline will do it. This entire time I've been blinded just trying to buy a fancy ball that's been keeping my lips crusty and <laughs> Did addicted. you look up what's in it and what's in the EOS? Did you see like what, what it was it that was like not good? No, no. Okay. I know there's like, there might be alcohol in it maybe. Let's look up. Oh, no. <laughs> EOS. Okay, as the skincare enthusiast, we should never be putting alcohol like on our face. So there is seed oil, beeswax, coconut oil, um, another kind of wax, jojoba oil, flavor. Okay, those are all natural. I know. Oh, the flavor. I, if the flavor is artificial, yeah, I might be doing it. It's some long name. It looks like they have EO's natural lip balm. Lip balm. And I've just been using the sweet mint lip balm. Hmm. Yeah. The entire time. There's probably something in there that, I mean, that's kind of like all those products, like those hype products where like, if you really just, I remember there was um, like the skincare people, it was like pixie, pixie toner or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, why is everyone about this? And I looked in the ingredients and I'm like, this is terrible for your skin. This should not be a daily toner. Um, Anything that says like exfoliant toner is like, you shouldn't be putting it on your face every day. Wow. Yeah. So I was like. Mm, that's not good and I think it had alcohol in it too I'm not sure mm. it's just crazy to me the things that we put on in, in our body that we don't necessarily pay attention to and I think that pretty often I'll run up on situations like this where like I've been using something for a year and it's just been like subtly affecting me and I won't notice it until I stop and then I'm like oh wow that wasn't how things were supposed to be so that was my little rant. Just use Vaseline chapstick, people. Just use Vaseline. I feel like that's a black thing to do, too. Just, like, have that simple Vaseline. I feel like that's just all my parents told me to use. And, um, yeah, be careful because anything can be approved by the FDA, for real. Like, they approve literally anything because it's lobbyists and capitalism. So as long as they can make money off of it. I think people are confused. Like, the CDC said this. The FDA said this. And it's like... It's still America. <laughs> like, don't get yeah. I don't trust them hoes at all. I really don't. The I really CDC don't. is now saying to triple mass, bro. We're a year into this. This will air March 9th. So we're close to that one year anniversary of Corona. I'm getting like PTSD already. Um, <laughs> it's like a little wild. I'm not going to lie. Like, do you remember where we were a year ago? Like a year ago... I think I was still at my first job and I know that people were really upset because one of the news course, the correspondents had been in China. I remember this. We you remember this. this day or something. Yes. Yes. He was like, he had been in China and all the black people I work with who all ate lunch together were low key. Like, well, he better not be coming back into the office. Like he needs to quarantine. And of course he came right back into the office. And everyone was pissed off. And then a few days later, uh, they shut down the office and said that there was a possible case. Wild. Yeah, because, mm -hmm. I, okay, so this will air March 9th. So my job that I was previously employed at um, closed down offices March 11th. 
And March 9th, actually remember it, I was out and about. I went to a mixer for this media group that I'm part of. And that's like the last time I saw a couple of people. And then I went to a comedy show because I used to work in comedy. So I went to see like the new talent. Then Tuesday I went to, I was out and about this week. Like this was a good week for me. I was like, I planned some networking things. I was like out and about. Wednesday they shut down. Feeling a little fever. Friday, I hang out with my friends. We're like, ah, no work. Gang, gang. <laughs> because we were working from home for like a month, they said. And we were like, yes. Like, I went out with my two best friends. We just like basically took off work, walked around during the city. And then like, I was supposed to go out with a friend. And then like, I started, the news started coming in like, oh, restaurants are closing. So I started having like a panic attack. I was like, oh, this shit is real. This is not going to be fun. Like I was just like, and like that night when I was with my friends, like I wasn't eating. I like couldn't go to sleep. The next day I went to New York. So this is Saturday, March like 14th. I was like, we went to New York. I got to the city in like 15 minutes from Jersey. I was like, okay, no one in New York. I go, we go in a restaurant no one in the restaurant, just me and my friends. So now I'm getting scared again. And I'm like, okay, I'm freaking out. Like what's going on? I'm having panic attacks like all day. I go home the next day, it's Sunday. I, that's when the fever like hit over a hundred. And I was like, oh, there's a 98% chance I have COVID. (laughs) And it was just bad. I was just like, oh my God. And then I couldn't get a test, like got the last thermometer in Jersey City. I dead ass got the last one. I called every pharmacy in Jersey City and I got the last one. They were like, if you can come here in 10 minutes, we'll give you this last thermometer. I drove, got it, had to check my temperature. I could not get a test. And that was in March, the second week of March, 2020 for me. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. That's terrible. And it's so funny because I remember we were like texting about this because um, my job closed down, I think the week before your job closed down. And I was pissed off because I was like, someone, we have news correspondents that have been in Europe, that have been in China and just are coming back to the office chilling. We all knew that. And then like a week after that, they decided to shut down the office. And I think around this time was when I was like, should I go home? Should I stay? Are they going to close down New York City? I'm like calling my parents crying. Like, how do you shop for an apocalypse? How many cans of beans should I get? I was freaking out. Kia, on the other hand, has like a fever every day. She Like me and Amari are texting her. Like, are you good? Are you okay? Are you alive? It's a pandemic. Oh, this was such a scary time. It was scary. That's the only time I remember like having like full on panic attacks where I could like see like my body like responding. And I've never in my life like I don't usually get scared or like not scared. but I don't usually like freak out. I'm like a pretty mellow person. Like many things don't scare me. But that was the first time where I was like, oh, I'm scared. Like I'm like freaking the fuck out. And that was like a terrible time to get COVID too, because like, I think if I would have had it differently and like could have gotten a test, but like, I was just like sick to the bone. Like out of all the times I've gotten sick, which is a lot, (laughs) that was the worst. That was by far the worst. And I get so jealous when people are like, I had COVID and it was fine. I'm like, pretty sure I had COVID and I literally thought I was going to (laughs) die. Like I was like, there's a good chance. Everyone I know who has gotten COVID has said the same thing. 
everyone I know who who has gotten it and has been able to tell the tale has been like, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. Because also like, <laughs> at the time, like, that's what the news is telling you. And you're Black. So it's like, they're like, and Black people have it worse. So you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> like, and on top black. of that, you can't get any tests. Yeah. Like, you can't even get confirmation that you had COVID because you had this, like, right in the beginning. Like, oh, my God, Kia. Yeah. So I'm hoping March 2021 is slightly better. I don't even know anymore. I'm trying to, like, stay positive, but I'm like... <laughs> I don't know if I believe in anything that I believed in a year ago. So like I'm struggling. (laughs) Amen. Um, And pro tip for any of you chubby New Yorkers. (laughs) So I have signed up to get the vaccine and I'm going to be getting it next week. Um, So basically the tier that they're on right now for to to be able to be vaccinated for COVID-19 is any like underlying health issues that I don't know. I I don't know the wording, but it's basically any underlying health issues that won't react well with COVID. And they have found through their research that being chunky or fat does not go well with COVID-19. So if your BMI is over 30, then you are eligible to get the COVID vaccine, um, COVID-19 vaccine. And I think a lot of us might think, oh, you know, I'm just a little bit overweight, whatever. It's very easy as an American to have a BMI that is 30 or a little bit above. It's not that hard. Many of us have it. Check your BMI and check areas around you. I think word is, is that the vaccine is really difficult to get. Um, But personally, from my time signing up and my time checking places in upstate New York and in downstate, there were tons of appointments available. I think people think it's difficult to get, so they're not actually doing the research and going the extra mile. I think New York State has purposely opened up this very, I don't know, easy thing with the BMI because most Americans' BMI is over 30. Most of us are overweight. Um, but I just think Americans aren't paying attention to it or New Yorkers rather aren't paying attention to it. Um, so check your BMI, see if you're eligible, get the vaccine, you the know, vaccine, you know, if you want to, I'm not going to force you. Yeah. Uh, well, herd immunity guys, everyone should get the let's vaccine. Get it. Let's, let's, let's get it. Let's have let's a summer. Or yep, try let's, to. let's have a summer. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. And I want to say this is the only time I'm happy to be chunky and have my BMI be 31. Yeah, I'm about to be vaccinated. My entire family is about to be vaccinated. So I'm hype. Whole fam vaccinated. What's good? Anyway, shall we dive into the discussion now? Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. Um, So if you guys haven't noticed, today we're one Oreo short and a pack of cookies. I don't know. Not a pack of three, pack of two. Oh, it's a pack of two. Okay, anyway. I think there's three pack Oreos. Is there a three pack of Oreos? I think there's a two pack too. Really? So we're just the two pack today, yeah. We're the two pack. We're the two pack today. Um, Anyway, 
so Amari's sitting this one out because we're going to have um, two special guests with us, uh, my two best friends, Alexis and Gina. Um, and we're going to be talking about reverse migration um, or Southern migration, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I think me and the Oreos have talked a lot in the past about this weird movement of young Black people going from Northern cities like New York, Chicago, Boston, don't know if I'm forgetting anyone, to Southern cities like North Carolina and Tennessee and Atlanta. Um, so we thought that it would be cool to talk to two people who have done it. Um, for those of you who don't know, the Great Migration which is, you know, why we're calling it the reverse Great Migration, because there was a Great Migration, which was a movement of six million African-Americans out of the rural South um, to the urban Northwest, uh, Midwest and West. And that occurred between 1916 and 1970. 1970. I didn't know if that was clear, so I decided to repeat it. Um, and according to Business Insider, millennials are abandoning cities like New York um, and San Francisco and moving to southern cities like Nashville, Tennessee, Houston, Texas, and Charlotte, North Carolina in droves. Yeah, um, and I think we like kind of know that as like, I guess our family kind of did the migration too because my roots are from Alabama and North Carolina and my grandparents from North Carolina and Alabama moved to Jersey. That's where my parents met and my family has been here ever since. Um, but I still have family in Alabama and North Carolina, Virginia. So still in the South. My um, family's from Mississippi so, and Virginia. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. as we know, the South, um, is where like most of the slaves have stayed for longer. So that's why they're there. Um, but then I was just reading the New York Times, like the weekly newsletter I get or whatever. And I saw this article about the reverse great migration. And it was from Charles M. Blow. And he does like opinion stuff for New York Times, but he also is the author of The Devil You Know. And that book like kind of populated this idea of the great reverse migration. Um, after we planned this episode, I saw that Larry Wilmore had him on his podcast. So he speaks there too. But basically the reverse great migration, Charles is suggesting that black people return to the states where they had been at or near the majority after the Civil War into the states where black people currently constitute large percentages of the populations. So in effect, Black people could colonize the states they would have controlled if they didn't flee. So basically, we're going to reverse that tide of the 6 million people leaving the South, and that would create um, dense Black communities, and that density would translate into statewide political power. So an example of that is how Atlanta recently is a, a major part of why Georgia turned blue in the presidential election. Um, in November, Georgia voted blue for the first time since Bill Clinton won the state in 1992, and a majority of those who voted for Joe Biden were black. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back in the, the primary times, like Joe Biden was kind of like losing and like the South black people really voted for him. I think Georgia was one of those first states early on that really pushed him forward in the race. So that was a huge thing too. As we know, Stacey Abrams is doing major work in Atlanta. And as we know, the Senate is just now even, um, 
with the two um, senators being elected. And that was a large part of black people in Atlanta. So this is the first time we're seeing since 1992 that black people are really having that impact in the South. And that's kind of what he's calling for is like, if we all come together and go back to our roots and like where black people are, we could basically like take back the places where we were kicked out. Um, And like, I just want to touch on that because we all know moving is expensive and like it's psychologically ta- like taxing and we're like moving away from like the homes and communities that we built. But he believes that these obstacles will be outweighed by the opportunity that's in the South. So that's one way to look at it. And um, also, you know, a lot of people like to bring up the South is more racist, X, Y, and Z, but he brings up that white people outside the South are more likely to say the right words, but many possess the same <laughs> bigotry. So basically people in the North, like, I like to call it PA racism because I'm like near PA, but like what I mean by PA racism is like people were like, and like I went to school with all white people in like a Trump County. So I see Trump signs, like every road, every house on my street is a Trump sign. I'm used to this, whatever. But like, I went to school with people with like Confederate flags and stuff like that, like on their trucks, whatever. I'm like, yes, that seems scary, but like none of those people were going to like box me. Like none of these people were going to say the N word to my face. No, no one was going to fight me. Um, and I, so I think the people in the North, like the racism, like they talk a big game, but they're not actually going to do shit. <laughs> so like they are racist, but like they're really not about that life. Where like in the South, like maybe they're just more upfront, but like I'd rather you be upfront with me than like be some fake shit and do that white liberal uh, fake ally stuff with the people in the North do have. And then, um, the last thing I went to bring up was a lot of black tech entrepreneurs are moving to the South. And I'm not sure if people are familiar with Tristan Walker, but he is the creator of Bevel and Form. Um, and it's like a product for black people because um, they were like getting like razor burns with like certain razors. So he created razors that wouldn't give them that um, effect. And um, he, I follow him on LinkedIn and he always like posts about um, black people bringing their businesses to Atlanta to get black people like more jobs. So there's just a lot of good things happening with the reverse great migration. And we just wanted to talk to two people that we knew that moved down there from the North and um, yeah. Talk about the subject. Yeah. Love that Kia. Love that. Yeah. And Amari told us to remember the um, social responses. Oh, okay. (laughs) But yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Cause I know like we kind of talk about, um, I mean, I've been feeling like the need to move just because like I'm realizing how challenging it is right now. I know it's the pandemic, but it's I, I'm getting a little tired. That might change, but I'm just feeling a little tired from like the New York lifestyle and like the media industry in the North. Um, I don't know if that'll change. I don't know if there's a lot of opportunity in the South for me, but like it is nice to think about, oh, having like more money and more space and uh, the weather's warmer and I don't look like I'm mixed up here. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I regularly think about what my life would look like somewhere else. I think I struggle with it a lot because I do want to stay close to my family. The idea of really having to put in more time and energy than I already do to have to see my family when I live in the same state is a little bit, um, I don't know, daunting, but at the same time, I recognize that if I want to buy a house, I probably won't be able to do that anytime soon in New York City. Um, so it's it's so hard. It's so hard for me because New York is where my heart is, but I don't think I can afford to live here as a young single person. 
I don't think that I can, I don't think that my money can stretch as far as I would like it to. And I don't think I'll be able to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish right now in New York city. But it's like, I, uh, I can't see myself living anywhere else. And also with COVID, it's like, you just feel so boxed in and stuck and everything in New York city is harder than it is anywhere else. Going to the grocery store, um, going for a walk outside, <laughs> simple everyday tasks, going to the post office, they are all harder in New York city. And then you put a pandemic on top of that. I've definitely been asking myself, like, why am I here? 100%. Yeah. I think the only thing that's really keeping me here is like my family, my roots. Like I've lived in Jersey all my life. It's where my family migrated to on both sides. Um, so I do have like all my family here and that's the one thing that's keeping me. But I think because I've seen my family so much that I'm like, oh, I could consider it. Um, I don't really have that many friends like in the South, but, and I think the other thing is like opportunity. Like I do want to go somewhere there's more opportunity, but I am, I love New York to death. Like, I think it is the greatest place ever. Um, But I do feel like, I I don't know. I feel like it's like almost unfair because like I'm about to like hit my five years after graduation and like I've been unemployed twice and like I have this resume that will literally run circles around like most people my age and to still not feel like having I have no opportunity here is really challenging and I know it's that's partially parse that's a lot because of the pandemic but it's kind of just like well, what am I gonna do keep getting a job in New York and keep getting laid off and never moving up <laughs> yeah. you know yeah um and that's and another I just part like, of it sorry yeah. with, with just media in general it is the most limitless limiting field ever because I'm even like I'd I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't want to do politics. I don't want to go to mm-hmm. LA. So what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't want to go to LA. I hate the people there. But in the media, it's like really like you can only really go to New York and LA and like maybe Atlanta, but like you're still really only hitting like CNN and like Tyler Perry. Exactly. And like freelance gigs. And I don't like Atlanta. So I'm going to just put it out there. <laughs> I've been that there was a our few whole t- episode. <laughs> I know, Atlanta, I know, basically. I know. Our entire episode is about Atlanta, but... <laughs> Just a few times I visited, I'm like, mm, I don't think this is for me. Um, so yeah, and you guys know. said that to me too. So yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's for me. I'll have to visit, but I'm visit. like, shit. At this point, I have nothing to lose here. There's nothing keeping me here really right at this point yeah. with the pandemic. Um, but we asked you guys, what did we ask you? Have you left the north for southern cities? Tell us what inspired the move and how the experience has been. Um, been for you uh okay so what was our responses our responses on instagram was warmth and left the northeast for slc i don't know what that means utah oh uh, salt lake city utah sorry i'm a northerner um i needed a job and change the scenery got what i needed then left okay so it looks like some people are leaving and then what do we get on twitter what did i ask you guys so i got someone said um, she was from Detroit and she moved to Atlanta. There are so many amazing things about the South and being around more people who are unapologetically black. But segregation and racism aren't modest down here and voter suppression. Ooh, chow, probably won't stay forever, but it's helping me grow. And she also mentioned that one out of every three black person in Atlanta is still living below the poverty line. Like in her opinion. So, wow. She said, if you come from money or connections, you're good. But the fact that so many black people here are so poor and can't find non-minimum wage jobs, is a huge problem in the city. 
So yeah, there's definitely ups and downs and we touch about, we touch on that in the episode. So um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. You know, before we close out, my sister keeps on talking about this idea of like creating her own black Mecca, like a, a state like a Wakanda within the United States. They're never going to let us do that. No, they're never going to let us do that. But it would be great if we had it. They would. I mean, the least they can do is give us one state. I mean, if you're not going to give us reparations, come on. I mean, we made this entire country, so. And my thing is like, y'all hate us so much. Tell us, go back to Africa. You brought us here. Whatever. That's another thing. Let us have just one state and we will be out of your way. Just one. Just one state. Let's have one state. Or thirteen percent of the population to put us in one state. We'll take Georgia. You can literally leave us alone. But you're not going to do that because no one will fill your prisons and you have no culture. So <laughs> you can't can you imagine how banging that state would be? Um, dude, no, because it will literally be like non-existent. Like it would be so lit. Like white people would lose their mind. They have no culture. Like, we enough. can't get in. <laughs> we can't get in. We need a white history month. <laughs> just like bitter (laughs) uh they would probably we would literally have to have that wakanda shield like yeah no we have to have it it wakanda has a shield around it for a reason so the colonizers cannot get in that's literally what it is we would have to like cut off georgia and like put that shield and be like, y'all can do whatever you want. And then they will realize that the problem with America is still like that 1% of the wealth. Because poor white people will have no one to blame. Yep. No one to blame. No one to blame. Maybe things will get better or maybe they'll start, I don't know, separating themselves by other factions. I don't care what then. they do. I don't know. Just leave us alone. <laughs> that's really what it is amen amen (laughs) anyway let's outro this ish let's do it well we've got two guests with us today welcome alexis and gina to the so-called oreos podcast (laughs) i actually love that as i said that your cat looked up like benji was like (laughs) what i love that Yes. Um, yes. So can you guys tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're originally from, where you are now? And I don't know, maybe what you do, if you don't mind sharing how old you are, I'll leave that up to you. But go ahead. Tell us about yourselves. Okay. I'm Lex and this is my wife, Gina. I can introduce myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in Alabama, in Birmingham, Alabama, actually. And then, like, most of my adult life, I spent in New York. Um, and then we live out here in Atlanta now. It's been, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I am a pet stylist by profession. Um, yeah. What about you? Okay. Well, <laughs> as y'all know, I'm Gina. <laughs> um, originally came from New Jersey, South Jersey. Obviously, there's nothing to do out there. Um, so I moved to New York. I met y'all, you know. <laughs> uh, we moved out here because we wanted to grow our businesses and what we like to do. And it's a lot easier to, you know, move a little bit slower and save a little money out here too. So, yeah. Why did you guys choose to leave New York? I guess, I guess we should jump into a little bit more background and I'll talk about how I met you guys. Um, so 
Alexis and I actually, our dads were friends. Uh, we went to high school together. We met when we were young, young, but then once Alexis moved back, um, you know, we became homies in high school and we've basically been homies ever since. Um, and then Alexis fell in love <laughs> and met Gina and, and brought her into the fold. And then, um, you know, we all lived together in Brooklyn. And then Alexis and Gina decided to start their life together and move down south. So with all that, why did you guys decide to leave the great north? New York is expensive. It's really expensive. And I don't know, I didn't want to have a roommate forever. And, you know, I just wanted some financial freedom. Tired of handing out my money and not getting any of, any of it for myself. Uh, usually I'm like super speculative about what everyone else is doing. But, you know, you all see it. People are leaving and they're buying houses and doing things that I feel like I felt like I couldn't do before. You know, they're doing it. And I'm like, Psh. I'm gonna do it too. Is there something about like Atlanta specifically that like intrigued you guys to go down there um, rather than like any other like bigger city in the South? I would definitely say because it's like the black Mecca, you know, like it's somewhere that you see a bunch of like black people making something um, of themselves out here. You know, it's a lot of businesses that you can support out here and a lot of smaller businesses. So I figured that this would be an excellent place to start. Yeah, not only that, like, uh, it's still uh, a good enough, like, urban area, you know, a city. Still, I I didn't want to be anywhere that was, like, a super small city where I would end up, you know, commuting very far to do anything or to live. You know, I just felt like Atlanta was a good central area and also um, friendly to the LGBTQ plus community. Like, it's safe but not safe you know so yeah kind of fit my blackness and my gayness (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that totally makes sense um so you guys been to in Atlanta for like a year and a half now um do you feel like there's more opportunity I'm not sure if you can speak about like the whole south but at least in Atlanta for black people um especially when it comes to like your guys's business um or is it like certain like businesses or like industries that you think are better for Atlanta in the South? Um, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's more opportunities. I think we just have more means to do so. Like I don't have to think about spending most of my money that I'm making at my nine to five job on rent or food or, you know, things that are generally more expensive in New York. I don't have to think about spending most of that on that. I could use that extra money that I'm saving Cause I'm making more than what I was making in New York and paying less than what I was paying. So I can use that extra money that I'm getting to invest in my goals and dreams, you know, like the things that I actually want to do. So I think, I think that's what it is. I don't think it's really opportunity wise. I think it's just the space to do so. Now, I think a, a big question I have for people, because I totally agree with opportunity space saving money but for me the the clincher is do you like it um well we only sometimes sometimes i'm trying to give it more of a chance because we only had like what like five or six months out here before a pandemic hit so (laughs) i can't really judge it from that you know i'm homesick i miss my friends nothing can beat new york nothing at all 
I miss New York every day. Um, but for the most part, I guess so. We're, we're discovering things that we like and circles we want to be in. Yeah. I mean, definitely moving out here, it is like you have to adjust like to the type of people that you're going to be dealing with. So I can definitely say the people are a little different, but you know, we're learning every day who to be around, who not to be around and, you know, seeing where we fit. Can you guys explain, like, so you said, like, the people are a little different, and I haven't been to Atlanta, but Janae and Omari visited you guys, and when I brought up Atlanta, because I also, like, am from Jersey, worked in New York, so that whole lifestyle, and, you know, I was like, I want something cheaper, I want a place that's opportunity, but more Black people, and, like, Atlanta seemed like they have everything, but then Janae and Amari were kind of like, like, I don't know if you'll fit in Atlanta, and I don't know, so, like, you guys mentioned that it's, like, different, can you explain that, that, like, difference from, like, New York Black people, or, like, North Uh, versus Atlanta? Honestly, I think there's a place to be for everybody. And I think it's just a matter of finding that place to be for yourself. And I think that that's with New York as well. But um, I don't know. I don't want to like, people are less creative when it comes to creating spaces together out here. Like, I I think that's that's what it is. People are a little bit less creative when it comes to that. You kind of got like a couple things that you could do. And then the people who bring the new stuff is the people who came you know, with the black migration, (laughs) but I mean, I would definitely say a lot of people are like clout chasers out here. You know, they try to make it seem like, Oh, it's so great. You should go here. You should go there. And then once you actually get to that place, it's like, "Mm, that's not really what it was cracked up to be. Cause like last night we went to a club and they were charging like $20 just to park in a regular parking lot, you know? And it was a plaza, like a a grocery store and and oh, wow. to get into the club, it was like, <laughs> like 40, 50 dollars. Yeah, it was oh, 50 wow. bucks to get into this like storefront. But yeah, I, it, it, I think everywhere you go, there's going to be the people who are actually living it and the people who are not and okay. who are portraying it. So I, I think that that's just it. Yeah, because um, I was like listening, looking at a TikTok. I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was looking at TikTok <laughs> and um, they were just like, this one girl was talking about how like Atlanta is like Black Hollywood um, and like having that like, I guess, bougie stereotype, kind of like Gina mentioned. And like, you see all the, at least I see all the memes on like about Clubhouse being people like from Atlanta who are like make seven <laughs> figures and stuff like that. But yeah. like, obviously that's a stereotype. I don't really know you guys live there. So that's not, like why I wanted to ask like I the difference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Because you could be at, you know, you know, in that same, like we went to another, We so Atlanta's open and we've been outside. I go to work every day. It's kind of like I'm either going to catch coronavirus at work or I'm going to catch coronavirus living my life. Don't know, but it's open. So we went to this, you know, with that being said, we went to this club that this guy invited us to that we met at the bowling alley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For everyone who doesn't know, this is how life with Alexis is. You go somewhere, you go to the grocery store, you're walking down the street, you're doing anything random as hell. And then suddenly, because she just has this aura, this energy, a random person is like, hey, and then next thing you know, you're in a deep conversation about random things. And then you're going somewhere and then you're somewhere even more random. 
Okay, yeah. y'all. It wasn't that random. It was pretty random. We were sharing like a, a lane. lane. Yeah. So they were right next to us and we were over there and we were like, oh, black people, let's talk, you know? So, so anyway, <laughs> he invited us out and he's like the head of security or something at the club, the security chief. Mm-hmm. He called himself something, don't know. But and he just walks us in and we sit down and then I look over and boom, there's like love and hip hop, everybody, like rich dollars. I don't know the rest of their names. They're all there. And it's like, it's a regular occurrence out here. Like we were at another place. I don't I'm whispering his name. Was. <laughs> Who? No, T.I. T.I. was like. Oh, yeah, that nigga right. needs to be in jail, though. Yeah, I know, right? This was before <laughs> I knew all about all of those things. But he's like walking, you know, in and out. I'm just saying like, you see a lot of people that, you know, if you weren't in Atlanta, you would only see on social media and TV. But it's because they live here. And like I said, people aren't as creative when it comes to gathering spaces. So we're all doing the same things, you know, whether we broke or we got seven figures and we'd be on Clubhouse talking about (laughs) being an entrepreneur, (laughs) you know. So I I think that's like the Hollywood feel you get. Like you see all of these people out here just doing a everyday thing. I will definitely say that when I went to Atlanta for my birthday and we went to that one party that was like inside, outside, whatever. And, you know, it just seemed like at first a regular whoop-dee-doop-dee poetry night. And then it turned into, what was that group? It was like a popular group in the early 2000s. Like, oh, Crime Mob. Crime Mob. Crime Mob, the Shop Boys, um, Michael Mayo. Oh, she saw Shop Boys. Yeah. You didn't see Crime Mob? She saw no, I, think I don't know yeah. who it was. They had all the <laughs> two popular songs in the early or mid 2000s mm-hmm. that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. The night seemed normal. And then next thing you know, they were all mobbing in there. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then like someone had a boa constrictor and like someone oh, else yeah. had a bunny. Oh, and it was God. like, like some big ass dogs. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was super random and super weird. And I feel like that's just how like Atlanta is in general. But you had a good time. I, I had a good time. I had a great time. And you it was a right new nickname, before- <laughs> Shea Butter. Shea Butter. Oh my God. And it was right before the pandemic popped off. It was, it yeah, was just, yeah. it was weird. Um, but you know, something that we're very interested in is how you guys like being in the South as a gay couple. I mean, for viewers who has haven't picked it up yet, you guys are gay whatever. Uh, (laughs) Hello. Um, So, so what's that been like being in the Um, South? For the most part, to be in Atlanta in particular, everybody's gay. Yeah. I was about to say, because everyone has that, that stereotype of Atlanta having, I don't know, again, this is just me listening to other podcasts. It's true. Okay. Because they always say that the guys are like on the DL in Atlanta. Like that's a common stereotype. I thought that was DC. No, that's Atlanta. You have no clue. You don't even know who's straight or who's gay. Well, I don't mind it. I like it that way. Just like, okay, baby. You know, but also like you, we have like very rare occurrences. Like when we first got out here, we went with the Six Flags. Went to Six Flags, and some girl was like, "It was like coming up on Pride," and she oh, yeah. she like walked up to us like super ignorant, mad country, like just something. She's like, "What they call that? What they call it? What they call them?" And I'm like standing there like ignoring her, like I can't hear her, but I know she's like talking to me and trying to like, I don't know. She's calling me it, that, them, they, but I'm just like not looking at her, like okay. 
she can't even form like a, an intelligible sentence. And then her friend corrects her and she was like, them? You mean the LGBTQ plus community? Or are you talking about pride? Yeah, it's pride weekend. And I'm like, yeah, friend. But like, <laughs> you know, like you, you, you have like occurrences like that. And then like it, kind of the same stuff in, in New York, I guess. Kind of the same, you know. We hear. I feel like there's a lot more ignorance out here. Though. Really, I haven't really had too much. We're here. We're queer. <laughs> they just—it's just a thing, I think. Yeah, I mean, I—I I was gonna say, I feel like. New York always boasts being so diverse and open and stuff, but I, I honestly just feel like the the North is more quiet about their racism and homophobia. Like it's mm-hmm. definitely there. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. It's just people are a little better at hiding it than I feel like in the South, where they're just kind of like, "I don't like you." It's yeah. like, okay, well. yeah. So do you think it's like, because you guys said like, okay, everyone's gay. Um, so I guess it's good for like the LGBT community. Because I listened to this podcast. I don't know if you guys heard of it. It's called um, Cocktail Dirty Discussions. But it's basically hosted by two Black women in Atlanta. Who I'm mm-hmm. assuming it, are, they talk about sleeping with girls, but like they identify as like heterosexual. And they talk about dating in Atlanta. And I just like listening to it to hear a different perspective from like New York and LA, because that's all you really hear. Um, But they always talk about how it's so hard to find a guy because everyone's DL in Atlanta. So do you think it's like challenging for like straight women? Because they're in like their thirties and they're like, yeah, everyone in Atlanta is like DL. Mm, I think it's challenging for everybody. I think it's challenging for everybody. Because, yeah, you got the DL thing. And, you know, people are going to get on the men more. They get on gay men much more, you know, because you got DL women out here, too. And Mm -hmm. I see it just as much as I see DL men. And you got heterosexual people who are also on the low out here doing the thug dizzle, you know, like. (laughs) So I I think it's, it's difficult for everybody. And you have, you know, gays doing the same thing. Like, you know, they call it snake dicking. Like they're. Saying that they're one thing, sneak dicking, you know, or sneak dicking, I guess. I don't know. But they doing one thing, saying that they're lesbian, you know, they, and then, you know, got a girlfriend or a wife or whatever. And the next thing you know, they got a man too. I don't know. So I think it's, I think it's just a, it's a mixy city. It's mixy. It's very entertaining. I think, I think if you're going to do this migration, uh, bring your person with you. Mm-hmm. So single <laughs> folks stay to. home. <laughs> I was like, stay home. I mean, I you come out single, you're gonna have a hell of a time. It's gonna be a good time. But I say, <laughs> if you're trying to get to business, I think bring your person with you with this with some good goals to get to, or you know, don't be out here in these streets. I don't think Mm-mm. that ain't the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> single well. folks just die. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny because Amari and um Amari Janae and I always talk about dating and then I feel like yes last night Amari was just like I'm just gonna roll in a ball and like crawl in a ball and like hide (laughs) I just thought that was funny that you guys were like yeah bring your person (laughs) I know what person huh I do feel like dating is tough right now for everyone because not Mm -hmm. only is it a pandemic but like everyone's just acting stupid like i'm gonna just say it everybody out here acting crazy and acting dumb Mm -hmm. they all acting dumb so i'm like i don't know i i think 
I think I need to to be okay with with the possibility dating of being and alone. social life is really weird. Just just having a regular social life, friends. That is true. Everything's weird right now. How how has it been for you guys? Like, what are because I know you and we've had conversations about this, but socially, how has it been growing your network? I mean, I, I think a, a big fear of mine in moving somewhere else is this knowledge that I might not have anyone. And it usually takes more than a year once you move it's to a new city to find that group of people. So how has that been for you guys? It's been exactly that. It's been difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We've gotten friends and like, We'd be hanging out with them like almost every single day and be texting each other every day. And then out of nowhere, it's like, boom, we did something wrong. <laughs> and it's like, okay. what did we do? <laughs> you know, now they're like, oh, you don't have time for us. You don't make time for us. Or now you're not able to go out with us. So just outright say that to you guys. Like, they'll just, yeah. They'll just yeah. yeah. Like, oh, you don't, you don't want to hang. I don't know. Like, I went out with you last weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. This weekend, I want to stay in the house. Mm-hmm. And they're I'm, like, nah, I'll cut you off. Like, if you yeah, don't come out right. with us. Pretty much. Pretty much. Like, uh, we had one friend and, you know, really cool person. You know, we were, like, making our goals about what we were going to do for the year. The New Year's And thing. then oh. the next day, we were like, hey, uh, what are we doing for this weekend? Ghosted. Nothing. Texted them again, like, four days later, like, hey, you good? We haven't heard from you. Nothing. So I call them. Then I get a phone call saying, I mean, a text message saying, why are you bothering me? And I'm like, she said that. <laughs> like, what the hell happened? Like, I don't know. It was just like, it was like an overnight thing. Yeah. I don't know. People oh, think I don't know that. if I'm cut out for this. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm just like, you, it's moving to a new place. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But people, you know, I'm a genuine person. Everything I do is just because it's something that I wanted to do. You know, whether it be something for me or something for somebody else. If I invited you out, if I made you dinner, if, you know, I loaned you money when you needed it, it's not because I'm expecting you to return the favor. It's just because I wanted to do it. But it seems like a lot of people have the sentiment, like, you must have an ulterior motive. Like, something in your head is like, I don't know, they think that I want something in return. It's too much of, like, a high expectation of, like, what our friendship is supposed to provide, like, I'm supposed to text you every day. I'm supposed to hang out with you every day. I'm supposed to talk to you every day. And it's just like, no, like you're my friend. You're not my partner, you know? Like, yeah, we're supposed to build a relationship, but it's not that serious. So a lot of them are like, I guess I would say emotional characters where, you know, I guess some people from the North are like, oh, (laughs) like if I don't talk to you anymore, like it is what it is. If I see you on the street, and we talk about it later, we talk about it later. We're not going to build up an attitude and be like, F you, you know, but yeah. I've been trying to figure out if that's like, if people from the North are just a little different that way, because I have another friend who she made good friends with someone out West and they started getting like really, really pissed at her when she would invite people like other people to gatherings and they would just get very like possessive and like, I made this time specifically for us. How could you invite someone else? <laughs> and I'm like, is it, is it just, there are people like that everywhere who are yeah. just get easily butthurt. Is it a North thing? Is it a South thing? Cause I just feel like in New York, everyone is hella busy. So it's like, girl, no, I don't 
we, we always move and we're always yeah. doing stuff. So it's kind of like, if we made plans to hang out and they fall through, I'm just going to assume that they fell through for a reason. And it's mm-hmm. not that you are trying to diss me or don't like me. I'm just, it is what it is. Right. I would definitely say that like, it's, it's definitely like where you're from. Um, because I've had like multiple people be like, yeah, I came here from Jersey or I came here from like Michigan and when I first got here, people were weird. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And they literally said the same, the same thing, thing that I felt. And I was like, oh, shoot, oh, it really shoot. isn't just me. You know, maybe it's just like because of where we came from. We come from a fast life and they're out here, you know, just a little bit slower. And they're emotional. Just, like I said, just emotional characters. I, I Yeah, I think the same thing I was saying when it came to like not being more opportunities, but it just being more space out here. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. are accustomed to people just having more space mm-hmm. in general. You know, it's, it's slower moving. In New York, my entire day is filled up, whether it be like I went to work mm-hmm. and now I'm taking the train home and that took forever. I was busy today. But here, you know, I took a 15 minute ride to work, a 15 minute ride home from work, and I still got time to do something else later. And I, I, I think that that is I think that could possibly be, some, be something that they're so accustomed to people just having the time because it's slower moving, but I'm still living the same kind of fast life I was living in New York in a place that's going much slower because I got an agenda. Got you. Um, well, Alexis, you um, are from Alabama. I feel like maybe Janae told me that, but you're from Alabama. So you are from the South, like deep South. And then you moved to New York and then you moved back to Atlanta, which I think is interesting because you've had multiple yeah. migrations. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, How do you think that like, change or like impacted you like going back from the south like when you came back from the south were you like kind of like oh I'm used to this from Alabama or like no okay I don't know I literally I there's like I can count on my hand like I knew like as friends in Alabama that I still am acquainted with or remember I guess um I I need a GPS to get around that city I don't know don't look the same there's new buildings it looks different you know, I lived out here for three years and like when I was in like third grade, I guess, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, it doesn't look the same. So um, coming back down here, it was it was like brand new. Like I had never been here before almost. So, Do you go back to Alabama a lot or? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, you know, every once in a while, not really. There's nothing to do out there it's a long drive it's a long drive you know my family's in Birmingham it's a two and a half hour drive from Atlanta that's not bad at all yeah (laughs) I mean yeah I mean my family's from Alabama too and I haven't been there since like 11 so I don't remember um what I just remember like it was the only time I've been to Alabama I went there and I like my arm my legs were like all bit by mosquitoes and I came back like just like red and that was my only memory from Alabama and I was like I'm never going back and I haven't been back since I actually want to go back but um it was just so different but like my family's from there so like I hear about Alabama and like hear the you know southern accents and like hear about like they're from Mobile so I hear about um like yeah Mardi Gras and all that stuff but I haven't been back that's a little deeper south yeah that's that's not melting but like You know, there's a migration from southern, like, country areas, too, to Atlanta as well. I meet a lot of, 
nobody. So you go to a party out here and the DJ is like, you know, ATL, where you at? And it's like crickets. Nobody. Nobody's from here. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. You got like Mississippi. You, of course, you got like New York, Philly, Chicago, but like nobody is from here. It's so weird. I only know like three people from Atlanta. I've been out here for a year and a half. Wow. Honestly, some that's of them really are like here for like 10 years, maybe. Like, I'm, I'm from Atlanta. Like, I've been here for 10 years. So I'm from here. Like yeah. most people are just not born and raised at all. Is there any talk from like native ATLians about like, I don't know, taking their city back or the gentrification yes. no. of Atlanta? Me. Oh, I mean, they talk about it like, oh, we fool these people coming out here, but I don't hear them doing anything about it <laughs> yeah they complain about it but don't do anything about it I'm, like, I'm not trying to diss anybody or nothing but damn buy something it's so cheap out here that's another reason why we came oh so you're yeah. saying like people like the people from Atlanta aren't really like buying property or like owning owning the city I mean I'm like, not, I don't know <laughs> from my understanding some of them have and some of them haven't some of them are like yeah I'm gonna do this but they're like I'm going to do this, but don't do anything about mm. it. And it's just like, you're just saying it, but I'm over here actually doing it. I'm sorry. I came from somewhere. It's different, a different struggle. But, yeah. You know, in New York, if you want to own some property, it's literally almost impossible mm-hmm. working hours yeah. and wages mm-hmm. is a half a million dollars or better or something. Shit. Yeah. You know, out here, you know, we just bought a house or we're in the process of buying a house. Um, Congrats. It's a total rehab. Thank, thank you. It's a total rehab. You know, it was less than $100,000. Wait, the house was less than $100,000? Yeah, it needs work. We're flipping it. A lot, lot of work. A lot of work. But less than $100,000. Literally, if you didn't have the money to fix that house, the least you could do was own the land mm-hmm. because it's so cheap right now and you see people are coming. So if you have a complaint, why don't you do something for your city mm-hmm. before it's too late? Hey, that's a good point. Very good. Uh, and you heard it now, folks. Gina and Alexis are a young married couple who just bought a house. And here I am renting <laughs> and renting. Yeah, and Gina and Alexis are under 30. Under 30, owning a house. Freaking snaps. Props to y'all. Thanks, thanks. Um, what are some other positives that you guys have about Atlanta? You guys have talked about, you know, how, how cheap it is, how it's easy to build. Really sell me on moving to Atlanta, if you can. If, if you can't, it's completely fine. I understand. Well, um, I haven't had to dig my car out. <laughs> I haven't, had enough, <laughs> haven't had a parking ticket. There you go. No boots, no toes. There's that, you know. <laughs> That was a big, that was a big thing when we lived together. It was like Alexis's car would get towed one day. My car would get towed two weeks later. It was like. Got you a nice, pretty little envelope <laughs> looking real nice and orange in the window. Every morning. I still owe New York money for parking tickets. Damn, <laughs> damn. Yeah, I guess I can. Did you get my damn, text about sure. jury duty? You might have to do jury duty. Mm, you need yeah, to contact them. Call them you them gotta out. call them. I don't live there. they come get you. Mm. But I, what else? What else? Um, it must be the weather. That must be a positive. Yeah, the weather. It's it was it's seventy degrees. Down, I had on shorts. I didn't just put on a. I had on shorts and a tank top today. It wasn't that warm, but I wasn't cold. I mean, it's thirty degrees here, so I'll literally take anything. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it was like it was like low sixties today, and yesterday it was like mid to high seventies. Yeah, yeah. That, that's confusing. nice. The Again, day before was like 
40 degrees. No, it was warm the day before, too. Then we got the time. We have the time. I got myself some roller skates. I'm a pet stylist. I, I just became a pet stylist and I came out here. Can you talk about what you did before? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to hear Can about you, transition. Yeah. Oh, um, I worked at EMS. I worked 911 EMS in Brooklyn, South Bronx, and Lower Manhattan uh, for probably like, what was like three years, maybe? Three, almost four. Um, and it was, it was very taxing. And I had to work a lot, like overtime. I worked sometimes like 90, 100 hour weeks, you know, so I could pay my bills, you know, I had to work and coming out here. I'm like, I want, I want to change that. If I'm working 90 to hundred hours a week, how am I working on myself? So we took a month off. We got out here and I'm just like, I think I, I think I want to try grooming. I don't even know what even happened to me. I think I just woke up one day and I was like, and you went on indeed. I, I went like, on Ooh. job. I was like, bro, pet stylist. <laughs> <laughs> Just random. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna try it. Shot my application in. I got hired, and they were like, "Yeah, you can become a stylist. You just gotta bathe 200 dogs." So I just I did it, and I'm actually okay at it. You know, I don't work overtime. I grew my little dogs, and I I'm making almost double, actually over double, than what I was making in New York. What? Saving people's lives. That is amazing. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm not emotionally exhausted after work. I'm, you know, groomers are going to be mad because I say this, but I genuinely feel this. Like, I'm with dogs all day. Like, it could get stressful, I guess, because I got to, like, finish these people's dogs when they want them done, I guess. I, okay. But, like, I'm with dogs all day. When I was sad, I looked at dog videos. Now I got dogs around me all day at work. You know, the stress is temporary. I get home and I'm like, yeah, what am I do now? I guess I'm gonna put my skates on and try this with, you know, I'm trying hobby, trying to sew in and stuff. I got time. So that, yeah. Well, I'm sold. <laughs> so come on, there's space. Absolutely <laughs> sold. Honestly, you had me at weather. Because <laughs> I don't know See? if it's the pandemic, but I'm like, I'm about to go insane and fucking cold and Jersey is like ridiculous right now Mm -hmm. and I can't do it well you guys told us the pros and cons um so do you have any suggestions for people who are thinking of doing that reverse migration and like or do you like is certain people that should come should every black person come like what are your guys like final thoughts on that I think everybody should come Mm -hmm. honestly I think that if you want to make something of yourself, you need to make the right decisions to get there. Mm -hmm. Don't think about being comfortable right now in this moment. Think about like getting to your next steps, you know, because if you're comfortable, then you're not going to try to get there. You know, I liked New York. I was fine. You know, it wasn't, I won't say comfortable, but it was like, I was making my money, ends were meeting, you know, I had a social life, had my friends, but it's like, I wanted, I wanted more. So I think everybody, should come. There's opportunities out here and there's room to make opportunities for yourself. Everything that you're doing, wherever you are, you could do it here 10 times. I would also desperately say like, you got to prepare yourself to, for the change, you know, like it's not going to come so fast. You're not going to be out here. and like, I'm going to get friends tomorrow. Like, you, you know, know or, or riches or all of these things. It doesn't, you have to make it happen, you know, because a lot of people come here yeah. and they don't make it happen. Yeah. 
you know, same thing can happen to you with going to New York, but you can try to make it happen all you want out there. Sometimes it just ain't it. Mm -hmm. But like, if you're not making it happen, then, you know, you're going to be, you're not going to be what you, you came out here to do. You have to do it. You can't get caught up in the clout, the social media, the black Hollywood. You have to do your thing, make your own noise. Yeah. I will also say like financially, um, be prepared for the cut too, because, you know, in some places they'll be like, they won't try and like match your pay in some places. I think they can eat a dick if they're not trying to match pay <laughs> in some places. They'll get you close, <laughs> but it won't be anything like New York. I yeah. can definitely say. Yeah. But there's still space yeah. to make your own money doing whatever it is, whether it be people are buying stuff. You can literally do anything. You have more time. You got the time to do it out here. So. All right. Well, it's so weird that this yeah. still feels kind of like, I don't know, personally, it feels like millennials right now. It's it's hard for us because it's like you either have to kind of deal with having a, a faster life where there are kind of more things for you to do and more opportunities socially, but you have to deal with things being ridiculously expensive and you have to deal with all of these inconveniences or you move to a smaller city where things are a little slower and they're not as fun and maybe the people aren't what you want, but you'll have the money to do and the resources and you know it's it's like it, it it feels like we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place and there's no one good place that has it all mm. well i think new york didn't have it all at first like it was it's always been new york don't get me wrong but new york is a totally different monster than it was before mm -hmm. you know uh you look at new york five years ago versus now even short time frame or 10 years ago, and it gets, it changes even more so. And that was from people coming from Wisconsin or wherever they came from and shit, doing what we're doing. How yeah. am I going to make this work for myself? Definitely. And I so, would say like for people who like do live out here, you know, you got to be prepared for that change. You know, you got to accept it because you guys didn't do anything about it before. So mm -hmm. You know, they might complain, oh, you're trying to make it turn into like a New York or you're trying to make it turn into like this city. But I'm trying like, to make it what I want it to be. Right. You know, <laughs> you got to make it what you want it to be. And yeah. you guys didn't. So therefore, there's new people coming out here being like, well, let's make it popping. Let's make it fun. Let's make it a place where people really want to go, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's happening fast out here. They got yeah. these like uh, renew Atlanta signs everywhere where they're like putting up these they're putting up these nice developments and mm -hmm. building things like the Beltline, which is like this park trail that goes around Atlanta. And then the houses that are along the Beltline are worth like 300, 400, 500. You know, yeah. it changes the neighborhoods. You know, the Beltline is new, like two years it's old. Pretty right? new. Yeah, it, it's happening fast. Yeah. It's happening fast. So it's like you better put your hands on it and hold on and get on the ride, you know. Yeah. And I, th I think you guys may have already touched on it, but just one time for the one time. Do you miss the North? Yes. A hundred percent. Every day. Definitely. <laughs> Honestly, like Every a day. small part of me, like the goal is like get successful out here and then eventually come back out there. That's the goal. Um, you know, I would like to experience other places. Absolutely. Though, but, you know, that was always home. That's where I was, you know, it was familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So 
just gonna boss up and get some passive income and just take it with me wherever I want to be able to live to own my own, you know, brownstone, something, <laughs> you know, right? Like I want to, and make it easy. I want a yeah. driver. I don't want to have to worry about parking tickets in New York. I want to live like the others. <laughs> you see them. You see them. You see you them. See them. You, see, you them. see them. You're like, you have not a care in the world. It's raining mm-hmm. out here. Look at you drive. Hair ain't even frizzy. <laughs> Bitch. Like, I want that. <laughs> I want that. But that is the goal. So even though this place is moving fast, we got to move at this pace, but then also move fast enough that we can get something in New York before it's gone, you know? Wow, you guys have like a plan. You guys are like, I'm going to take the South, the North. It's going to be pandemic. It might be a little easier because y'all leave. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) People are leaving in. (laughs) Get me a little cheapo repo, you know, like. I mean, you might when it looks like when you look at the New York numbers, and I think part of it maybe is like people are realizing like it's I think the pandemic is showing a lot of like the terrible infrastructure of like not only the country, but also like, I guess, living in New York City and stuff like that. And like um, it's just like 80 times harder to do anything to get like a fucking job that you're qualified for mm-hmm. or to like fucking pay your rent if you don't have the government doing that extra assistance. Like I was working in New York, was on it, like, I'm on unemployment now, and it's, like, $500 a week, and I don't have rent, thank God, because I moved back to my parents' house, because I'm, like, I'm not going to pay this, but I'm, like, if I had, if I was living in New York, and you guys are only giving me $500 a week, I do not see how I can live off that, and I was working, it's not my fault I got laid off, <laughs> and that was, like, yeah. a job, like, it was at a big media company, so I'm, like, I don't know how you guys are paying people five hundred dollars a week to like, and that's I don't have kids, but I'm like, what if I had kids? What if I had kids? Yeah. The even sadder part is that like I don't know if you guys are having the same issue out there, but like they're trying not to even issue people without um, a job, their unemployment. Like, you know, being out here, I was unemployed for like two months, and I didn't get it for like a whole two months. Called them, texted them, emailed them, you know did everything that I could have. And they were like, oh, sorry, we'll get back to you. So I had to make another account and I got it for two weeks. And then they think that I'm fraud. So I'm back on hold again. <laughs> Wait, this is for New York or Atlanta? This is for Atlanta. So I'm not sure if you guys are having the same issues in New York. Not, not that I know of. <laughs> from, from what I know, it's easy. It depends. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know because like New York the unemployment is still very high and like for me I had to file a couple weeks ago and I mean I don't know how common this is but like my job actually like kind of like messed me over because they told New York that I quit when I didn't and so it was like a whole back and forth and it got to the point like I'm not proud of this but I had to like curse out the New York unemployment person because <laughs> I was like it's been a lot of that it's been a lot of that listen, like I'm like a pretty calm person for the most part but once you push me over that edge I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get my money so what you mean and now I'm mad so there was it was this old like I could tell it was like an old white man and I just left multiple voice message cursing him out because I was like mm-hmm. it's a pandemic y'all really are not about to play with me like that and he called me back right away I was calling this guy for five days straight and they were like if you don't answer us by Wednesday you're not going to get your unemployment all this stuff so I was like bet 
<laughs> like and then every like everybody was about to get cursed out they got cursed out they called me back and they were like oh it's because your job basically like lied and said that I quit and I didn't it was like a mass um unemployment and so it was like a miss up and they were like gonna not do my unemployment but I was just like I don't know thank god like I said I don't have kids and, like rent to pay for right now because I don't know what I would have like, what would you have done yeah yeah well my job is hiring People are buying those puppies with their stimmies. Listen, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Like you really, you got you. I mean, you sold me. Yeah, you got sold. We hiring. Come on, like listen. And that you don't have to work with. Like you work with more dogs than people. So like that's enough for me. Mm-hmm. The worst part of my job is the people, but they're only in and out. Okay, have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> Like, nah, this does definitely sold me. Let me change. I'm changing my job applications again. I have it to like, what I, I think I have it to Texas, DC, and uh, like New York, but I might expand that to Atlanta. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to change it. <laughs> for sure. Our little house we got or are getting for under $100,000, when we finish with it, it's going to be worth upwards of $400,000. Wow. Oh, I can imagine. I yeah. think my personal little plan is just to, because I'm moving to Jersey in a few months. My personal little plan is after that year is up, see where I'm at at Thrillist. But if I ain't got nobody in New York, I think I'm leaving New York <laughs> because I just, y'all know I love it here. Come on, we can like, we can make like a corporation out here, I know. like something. <laughs> was something everything i do every day is something that makes income damn yeah i can't say the same for myself <laughs> everything you can make you can make every single thing that you do makes money for you especially out here Ooh, come on you got the energy that's true i, I think if i was dating someone in new york that was that would literally be the only reason where i might consider to stay but because mm-hmm. i don't i'm just like but let me let me switch that to Atlanta, Texas, Houston, Austin, DC, um, yeah. wherever the good Lord takes me at this point. Come imagine <laughs> all the things that you could do starting right now. What are you that's waiting true. for? A job, but that's about it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> listen, I'm there. I'm ready to move. I've told the universe, listen, wherever you want to <laughs> take me, I'm there. I'm there. Just give me a little push. I'm there. <laughs> that's all. Exactly. All right, y'all. It was so nice speaking to you guys today. Um, yes, yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for coming, coming on. on. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. You can talk to us on all social media at so-called Oreos, and you can email us at so-called Oreos at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. You can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast, and we would love if you could rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, we have merch. Buy that. We have a, matri- a Patreon. I said a Matreon. A Patreon. Get that. Kia is wearing the Choose Black Women shirt right now. She's looking incredible. Incredible. All right, y'all. We out. Until next time. Bye. Bye. When I was in 10th grade, I had to take biology with the most boring teacher in the world, Mr. Prisbaki. Staying awake in his class was always a challenge. However, I do remember one lesson he taught on ecosystems. 
He said they are held in a delicate balance by the species that live in them. But when new species are introduced to an ecosystem, it's impossible for it to remain the same. Sometimes, these new species positively change an ecosystem. Tristan, do you see what I see? Uh, yeah. I thought you didn't like shorter guys. Every rule has an exception, Tristan. And you see the muscles up under that sweater? <sighs> mm, okay, press much? Don't we all? Point is, I've never had a problem with the gay community. I may not understand them, but who the hell said I had to? They're people just like me. And word on the street, it was you, nephew, who was offensive. Really, you and David should be ashamed. How is it I just met this guy and he's already my favorite great uncle? However, Mr. Prisbaki also warned that on many occasions, these new species become invasive. They outcompete with the native species, sometimes causing native ones to struggle for survival, negatively impacting an ecosystem. Jordan, you riding out with me or you got another way home? Who in the hell is he to be talking to my brother like that? What's up with your boy Ben? What you mean? Ben's cool and Denise likes him. You need to watch that. You brought me here to meet him. Uh, nice to meet you. I'm sure it is. Okay, so we're going to be a little bitchy. Whether good or bad, Mr. Przbaki was sure to stress that ecosystems are forever changing. It's up to the species to adapt and survive. Let's hope I'm up for adapting and surviving this spring semester.